Welcome to the Kid Men Podcast with Dr. Val and Dr. Virginia, where we talk about everything Kid Men. And pull back the curtain on some of the surprises and challenges in children's ministry that nobody prepares you for. I'm Dr. Val, and together we have over 45 years of experience in children's ministry. I'm Dr. Virginia. Valerie and I met over 10 years ago in our doctoral program at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We are excited to share with you all the great stuff that we have picked up over the years. We want to minister to you, the children's minister. Welcome. We are so excited that you have joined us today. Dr. Virginia, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) I look Um, I have had a crazy couple of weeks. We went on vacation. I mentioned before my husband broke his foot. There's been issues with that. Um, family members have been sick. So it has just been quite the two weeks for us. How about you guys? How is it at your home? Uh, pretty good. We started, um, my kids started back to preschool. So and that's gone well. So that's been uneventful, gratefully. Um, so yeah, pretty good. I am excited to be talking with you today. I'm excited that we have friends that are joining us for the conversation. And today we just want to talk about a subject that is really hard. And so we wanted to take just a little bit of time today to talk about volunteers, different types of volunteers, options that you might have if you're struggling in this area of your ministry. And hopefully we can uh, share a little bit about our experience with volunteers in lots of different Um, lots of different ways, lots of different methods that we've used, and hopefully it will give you a little bit of guidance. Virginia, has finding volunteers been something that you've struggled with over the years? Oh, of course, of course, of course. It's a constant, ongoing, um, I don't want to say like challenge, but yeah, kind of a challenge. Um, I don't think it is easy. And I've never heard of any children's minister ever anywhere say, I'm just overflowing with volunteers. Never. I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. Oh, uh, yeah. So so today um, we'll be looking at paid workers, youth volunteers. So kind of, um, you know, outside the norm of our typical adult, you know, volunteer. Right. Um, because your hope mm-hmm. is that you are going to have people that are members of your church that have been given gifts of teaching and working with children and that they are the ones that are in the classrooms working with the kids each week, teaching, you know, sharing with them, um, engaging with them, building relationships with them. So that's our goal. Mm -hmm. You know, that is what we would love to have. But it's not always possible. And sometimes finding those volunteers for the right times and for the right groups can be difficult. Hopefully we will give you some ideas of some alternatives that you might be able to utilize if you do not have enough of of the adult volunteers from your congregation. So Dr. Virginia, let me ask the big question. Have you ever had to use paid workers in your preschool or children's ministry? Yes, yes. And I currently have paid workers. And so it's something that I have done for several years now. Um, And, you know, there are a lot of different ways that churches kind of end up in this spot. And there there are different pros and cons to consider. Um, Some of the pros are that as a paid worker, you can um, in some ways hold people to a different level of accountability. 
Um, right. You know, a volunteer calls out at the last second and we say, oh, thank you for letting us know. Like in our mind, we're like, we're just grateful that you didn't no show. <laughs> but a paid worker, whenever you're their boss and this is their job, that level of accountability and that level of responsibility is a little different. And so, um, and so in some ways that can be helpful at times. Right. Um, paid workers can help you um, give your volunteer base a little bit of a break um, because, you know, you've got one less, you know, segment or time or something where, where you're not getting volunteers. Right. Um, and so, but there are also some cons, but before we move on to that, what are some of the pros that you think of? Dr. Well, I, I will tell you, I have used paid workers in the past as well for our preschool ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in, in years past, I'll be quite honest, most of the years when I was serving at churches, I didn't have the budget to be able to pay workers. So for most of my ministry, that was not even an option, but I was in a situation much like you. I was at a church that had a, a better budget and they also already utilized paid workers in their preschool ministry. And so I was grandfathered in to having some paid workers. And mm -hmm. for me, the pros were that the ministry itself, there weren't a lot of adult volunteers that I had for the preschool ministry. And we had a very large preschool ministry. We had, we were, we had more preschool children than, than a size of the, than the size of the church would normally have. We had a very large, we had lots of families that had multiple children that were preschool age. So we had a, a lot of kids. And so we did the best we could for um, most of the time to be able to utilize our volunteer leaders. But there were a lot of times that I did need to supplement with paid child care workers. Mm -hmm. And so the pros are exactly what you were saying. You know, you do have a higher level of accountability with them because they are being paid. So they do tend to be a little more professional in when they did have to call out or if they didn't. I was also very lucky that I lived in an area that actually had a service. We contracted oh. through a service. Um, the company actually worked with weekday programs, with preschools, with churches to provide. Oh, wow. um, hmm. And the nice thing about that was that they were screened and everything through the service. So I didn't have to do that. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but I didn't have to do that. But also the nice thing about that was that if somebody called out, they called out to their service and they replaced oh, them with yeah. someone. So I didn't typically hmm. run into that situation where I had the paid workers call in to me, you know, if they had to change out, hmm. they, you know, we, we received, they were really great to schedule the same workers each time they sent them so that we had consistency, but we did have that buffer if there was something that was going on that we still received somebody. So um, again, that was a very unique situation. I had never been in that position to be able to do that before, mm -hmm. but it worked out really well for us because of our location. We weren't, we were, we were a little outside of, of town. We, and so it was hard to find paid workers um, mm -hmm. because of our location. So the service really helped us off a lot. Mm, that's interesting. I've never even mm -hmm. heard of that before, but I mean, yeah. it makes sense. And it seems like yes. that would be, yeah, a good business, good business model for somebody. <laughs> it was, so it was, yeah, yeah, it worked well uh, for us. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm -hmm. so some of the cons, though, let's talk about right. those. 
Um, and we talked about this beforehand that oftentimes once churches start using paid workers, right. it's hard, if not impossible, if you want to swap back to having it's volunteers. almost impossible. All yeah. of the churches that I worked with when I was a consultant that had paid workers would talk to me about that. They were trying to get away from having the paid workers, but once it became a part of their culture, it was really hard to encourage their volunteer base to see that it was necessary for there to be adults from the congregation that were in the ministry. It became very focused on childcare. And so it's really hard to walk away from that once you put that model into your ministry. So you want to think about it very carefully before you begin it, because it is very difficult because everyone I've talked to over the years would say, oh, well, we're only going to use them for just a few months until we build up more volunteers. And it never worked never out worked. that way. It almost always ends up being something that they just cannot seem to shake. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and my situation is that um, I think it's very interesting that you have like an agency. Like I have mm -hmm. always been in the one, you know, in charge of hiring, in charge right. of finding the paid workers. And right. so um, if you don't have a good hiring and screening process in place, um, mm -hmm. You can end up having a lot of turnover. And so that right. can ultimately make more work for you because right. instead of trying to recruit volunteers, you're just trying to hire paid workers and you're kind of in, right. end up in the same spot if you're not right. careful. Right. Um, and so you have to have good hiring and good screening processes in place as right. well, which is a good, really, really is into sort of the next topic is how to find good workers. Um, and right. for me, you know, being in the position where, you know, I am looking for them myself, I, right. I have always gotten them from within the church. I have very, very rarely gotten anyone outside the church. I make it my business to know all the college age girls, right? <laughs> because they have energy and they always need a paycheck. And so I, that's something that I always pull those people from within our congregation because you're right. I want them to be invested in, in this as a ministry beyond it being a paycheck. I want them to know our kids, know our families, love our kids. Um, with our paid workers, we do also um, require them to serve at least once a month on our preschool rotation. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, again, that just goes back to being invested in the church as a ministry, being invested right. beyond their job. And so, and so, yes, yeah, so I, I've always used paid workers primarily for preschool ministry on Wednesday nights or right. special events. And uh, so finding those people from within the church. Right. Um, so it's interesting. So, yeah, yeah. You go ahead. Right. Finding them within the church is incredibly helpful because then again, you have those relationships that are built. You have people that you're familiar with. It's people that you know, they understand your ministry. They understand your goals. The, the main thing that I always caution when you're hiring paid leaders from the church is that you make sure that your policies are really well written and well spelled out for them. Because what can tend to happen is that if you're paying some of your volunteers, but not mm -hmm. all of your volunteers, the leaders mm -hmm. that are volunteers can start to feel a little bit negative about the fact that right. they're doing the same work right. Right. as their friend that's in the classroom, but their friend in the classroom <laughs> is getting paid and they are not. That's not right. often, but it can happen. So you want to make sure that if you are utilizing paid volunteers from the church, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. that you want to have great policies in place so that they know their responsibilities so that they are treated a little differently because they are paid staff as opposed to volunteers. volunteers. But I agree with you. I always would try to use those paid volunteers for more of a supplement for maybe a special Sunday evening, because we would have a lot of like special music Mm -hmm. events on Sunday Mm -hmm. evenings where we would need a lot of childcare because we'd have a lot of visitors. Mm -hmm. And so I would use, Mm -hmm. I would try to, I would try not to use the paid childcare on Sunday mornings if I could keep from it. Yes. Yes. And utilize those paid childcare workers for Wednesday Mm -hmm. nights, for special events, for ladies Mm -hmm. Bible study on Tuesday mornings, you know, those types of things where I really struggled more finding leaders Mm -hmm. because even my paid leaders that were church members, they didn't want to work on those special nights because they wanted to be in the service on those special (laughs) nights. And so, you know, it was one of those things where if I had paid leaders, I had to explain to them, you can't pick and choose when you're working. These are your set times. Right. Because again, now if it was some special occasion, like if a child was being baptized or something right, was happening, right. I'm, obviously I would make exceptions. But I, you know, occasionally I would have right. those paid leaders from the congregation that would be like, but I want to hear the special music. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I know you do, but you, know, you made this commitment that the, you know, that you were going to be working yeah. these events. So again, it has to, you have to make mm-hmm. sure that your policies are across the board similar, you know, that you don't mm-hmm. change them according mm-hmm. to the person, but also that you make it very clear. These are your responsibilities and this is what we're requiring you to do because we are paying you for yes. serving as opposed to you volunteering, because it can yes. be a really sticky situation. So you want to make sure you have those specific guidelines in place before you do that. One of the other things that I always tried to be really careful about too, is that I made sure there was a volunteer leader in the classroom with the paid child care leader, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if they were not members of the church, Right. If they were from outside of the church, Mm -hmm. I did not want them leading the Bible study. Yes. 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 I really wanted our church members to be Mm -hmm. the ones that were leading. So one of the things that I really made clear to the congregation when I came in, realizing that there were paid leaders, Mm -hmm. I explained to them my philosophy with that is that, yes, I, but I never want two paid leaders from outside of the church in the classroom right. at the mm-hmm. same time. I always want there to be a church member volunteer to be with them, to be mm-hmm. leading. Now, I didn't stress on that as much if we had the special events, mm-hmm. because for me, even if we did child care for a music night, we still had material we taught like there was never a time that came curriculum always structure always curriculum always a bible Mm -hmm. story always a bible Mm -hmm. life point Mm -hmm. always Mm -hmm. and so I wanted to make sure that there was someone that was teaching that that I knew you know were were church members so that I you know would felt like that we were still as a church leading our children these paid child care workers were our helpers those second people in the room for security for help for, you know, for leading Mm -hmm. in that way. And so I always wanted to make sure that was the priority was that Mm -hmm. our church leaders were the ones that were teaching our children and that we were always teaching no matter what hour they were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and one thing, this is really easy for us to do because, you know, our paid workers come from within our church, but we also, Mm -hmm. um, I want to make sure that our paid workers um, receive training just like our volunteers do. 
right, you know, right. and, and our paid workers are screened the same way. They do the same background checks. They do the same ministry safe training. Um, you know, I give them training. So sometimes mm-hmm. they are doing childcare for the trainings, which we just had a right. training recently. And I told my paid workers, I said, yeah, but we're going to have another training with just me and you guys um, because I want you to receive the same training as well. Because right. again, as as church members, my expectation, just like what you're saying, is that they are also teachers and leaders in those rooms whenever right. they are paid workers who are church members. So, right. yeah. Right. And that's one of the things like you were mentioning before about finding leaders, because I was really looking for those leaders from colleges that were getting degrees in elementary or early childhood Mm-hmm. I was looking for those retired teachers or, or yes. retired preschool leaders that, yes. you know, that, that maybe would be looking to supplement their income. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those were kind of some of the, I was looking for people who mm-hmm. had experience with children or that had been trained in some way. Yes. So if that's a possibility, if you have a college or a university mm-hmm. in your area, if you have um, a, a network of teachers that you're familiar with or that you can kind of check in with and say, Hey, do you mm-hmm. know people that maybe are looking to supplement their income mm-hmm. by serving on, you know, Wednesday nights or Tuesday mornings or, you know, that type of thing. You can usually really find some people that are already trained a little bit. They already know how right. to work. And then all you're doing right. is you're training them in teaching Bible, in your you're training them in things. your policies. Mm-hmm. And so that will make your life much easier. And so those were the, mm-hmm. and that's the one thing that I found is that Colleges and universities, they are very willing to put your information on a job search board. Mm-hmm. Like, so they'll, they'll post like that you're looking, you know, you can, can find places like that, that you can kind of post the, that information and, and contact you. But again, it's like you said, you want to have an application. Mm-hmm. You want to have a, an, an interview process, a screening process. You still need to do your background checks yes, and your fingerprinting or whatever type of security you're doing. With your ministry, you want to make sure that all of those people are covered in all of that as well. And they, they'll need to have your training that you have to have for your insurance purposes. They'll need to have um, the sexual abuse training. They'll need to have all of those kinds of things along with the rest of your workers. So you want to keep all that in mind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So any other thoughts on paid workers, Dr. Bao? I feel like we covered things fairly yeah. well, or yeah. at least to, to begin with. Right, um, right. As always, we hope that you would reach out to us. Comment below if you have any specific questions of things that we may have missed as we've been talking. We would love to hear from you and, and to know if you have more questions because we understand mm-hmm. paid child care workers are, it's a very difficult topic. It's a very difficult subject and it has a lot of facets to it. And so we want to make sure that you understand that we, we get how complicated it is. And so hopefully we've been a little helpful in that area. What other extra types of volunteers have you found have been useful when you've needed to fill in those spots that are just (laughs) impossible to fill? And I know another common one is youth workers. Um, So training and utilizing youth. Dr. Val, have you used youth workers in the past? I have used youth workers in the past, but I am very particular about my rules for youth workers. And so I'll have to say some people over the years have gotten frustrated with me because a lot of churches see youth workers as just the answer to all of the problems, because usually the youth will want to work with the preschoolers, especially, but they love to work with the kids. And it can be a very sticky situation. So I had a few rules that I followed. Like, for example, my first one was they had to still be able to attend either Sunday school or worship service themselves. 
I, I wouldn't allow the youth workers to just come into the preschool area and stay there the whole Sunday morning hours yes. or the whole Sunday. You know, I wanted them plugged into youth ministry mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. sometimes there are youth that really don't want to be involved in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And they kind of use that children's ministry as a way to, to get like out. Hide of, out. Yeah, mm-hmm. because they don't. So, you know, my rule was, you know, you can you can serve during Sunday school or you can serve during worship or you can serve during Bible study, but you can't serve every single hour. I want you mm-hmm. to to serve one place mm-hmm. and then you're in youth the rest of the time. So that was mm-hmm. one of my big rules. Um, the other was that youth could not be the only leader in the classroom. Yeah. So I, it didn't matter if they were 16 or 17. Um, mm-hmm. They could not be the the key leader in the classroom. Would you require two adults with the youth or would you do one youth and one adult? I would require two adults with the youth if they were under 18. Yes. Same. Because in the eyes of the court, they're a child. You're under 18, you're a child. And so, yes. Yes. And so I'm sorry if I didn't make that really clear when I was talking before. No, they (laughs) would, they could not be the leaders. No, they, they were, they were the helpers. And so they could, Mm -hmm. they could not be that second person in the classroom. They had to be, and I didn't love, I I wouldn't let two youth be in one classroom. Yes. Um, I would, would, would separate them out because I, I didn't want them to be interacting with one another. I want them interacting Mm. with the kids. And so it was always Mm. a really important thing for me to make sure that they were in there and that they were comfortable. Now, maybe on youth Sunday, if, you know, if the youth minister had assigned two because one was nervous or one didn't really want to, you know, then that would be fine, but I would still have two adult workers in the classroom as well. So yes, yes, yes. Yes. Um, and so did you, whenever, as you were, you've been working with youth, did you have any age limits or age requirements for your youth? Like what was your minimum? Uh, I, I tried to stay at, at middle school and above in middle school, very sparingly. Again, um, I want them in their ministries. Yes, I want them yes. in their areas. Well, I was going to say the, the context that I have used um, the most youth um, has been VBS. Mm-hmm. Um, we utilize a lot of youth helpers in VBS, but one of the things that we were seeing is just what you're talking about. Um, whenever, you know, out of necessity, we would maybe have, um, like say in a group with a group of 20 kids, we would have say three adults and two youth helpers. Right. But then the youth helpers <laughs> would end up horsing off with each other or right. scrolling on their phones or right. just doing whatever. And then it could easily become a situation where the youth helpers are requiring more supervision than the children in the class. One of the things that we did that, that worked really well was um, having the middle schoolers during the week of VBS um, do off-campus service projects. They went to the local pregnancy resource center and, you know, painted or did landscaping, or they'd go to a nursing home um, or go to shut-ins in the church and do their yard work. Um, And so doing off-campus service projects and then our youth helpers for VBS then were those high schoolers, those, you know, ninth grade and above. And even though we chopped our number of helpers in half, we, you know, chopped our number of 
discipline issues. Honestly, you really by do. much more than half. Yes, right. by like ninety percent. Right. <laughs> so. Well, and that's why for VBS I was a little bit different. I tended to mm-hmm. because every church where I served, we had something for the middle school ages. Yes. At the same time, we did VBS for the children. Whether it was their own VBS or they had a special rec thing or because or that would be when they would go maybe and do something, you know, like mm-hmm. you said, the service project in the area. Mm-hmm. So I didn't utilize middle school as much during vacation Bible school mm-hmm. as I might have them sparsely, you know, involved during the rest of the year <laughs> because of exactly right. what you said. If you're talking about five days in a row or four days in a row, right. that's a lot of time them to get bored and to, but one other thing too, is that I treated my youth workers just like I did any others. I, Mm. I interviewed them and spent time with them before I let them come and serve in the ministry because I wanted to know why they wanted to work with the children. I wanted to know why, you know, why they wanted to be there and to get a Mm. sense of, are you just coming to avoid something or are you really coming because you want to work with the kids? And so there's, there's having those relationship with the leaders to be able to say, you know, you know, yes, I really feel like that you are sincerely wanting to work with the kids and this is something that we want for you to do. Mm. And so, but I will say, if you don't have that option, the middle school workers are really helpful with recreation and crafts mm-hmm. Where because busy. they can be those little extra hands that you might mm-hmm. need. And they do stay really busy. Mm-hmm. The middle school leaders are not always as great with like the preschool Bible or the, study, the Bible study time, that, that kind of yeah. thing. So you want to really think yeah. through, you know, where is this child's mm-hmm. strengths mm-hmm. and how helpful are they going to be? Are they going to be a detriment to the classroom? Are they going to be a help? And so, because we want to encourage them to work in the children's ministry, we want to encourage them to use their gifts to serve, um, especially with things like music and crafts and, and rec, because they have that energy and they do enjoy, <laughs> they do enjoy those fun things, but you want to be very cautious about the Bible study time and you really do want to make sure, yeah, that yes. you are very careful yes. as you think through it. Yes. Yes. Another thing. So this was um, recently sort of put on my radar um, at a training that mm-hmm. I attended, Um, so in our state, our state has, um, recently updated mandatory reporting requirements. So in my state, Mm -hmm. every single adult in the state is a mandatory reporter. So that's everybody. Right. Right. Um, and one of the things, the way that they've updated the statute is mandatory reporting of minor on minor sexual abuse. And so we hate to think about this. Yes. But the reality is, is that just like we train our youth, like we do adults, I'm accountable like we do adults, we also have to um, be attuned and be cautious in the same way like we do adults, Um, particularly when we have like a large age gap of like a teenager and elementary children or preschool children. So we hate that that's a thing that we have to think about, but it is unfortunately Mm -hmm. um, a reality of the world that we live in. It's not something that never happens. It's something that happens a lot more than we realize that it happens. And so one of the things that you want to be very conscious of is that no no child under the age of 18 is alone with any other children. Mm. And so that's why those having those two adults present in the classrooms are so very important. Even if you have that youth worker that's there, um, that youth worker cannot take a child to the restroom. They cannot take a child to another classroom or outside to do something or to be alone with them in any way, Um, because you are, you're protecting both children, you're protecting your ministry, you're protecting the children, you're protecting the families. And so you really want to be aware of the fact that that could happen 
and does happen more frequently than we're aware of. Because again, that's another one of those situations that even when it's reported because it's a minor, it's sealed, it's not going to make the news. So, you know, a lot of people will say to me, well, I've never heard of that. You're not. There's a reason. Because there's a reason because, you know, minor, minor records are sealed. And so you very rarely ever hear of those things actually happening. Right. But they do, and but they do happen. They do. And, and to that same effect, um, running a background check on a minor isn't going to get you anything for no, that same reason. Uh, yeah. No, for that no, same reason. There's, like there's no point. In even, you can't fingerprint, pointless. you can't background check. Yes. And so, um, and so, so that's another thing to be aware of as we are doing our screening processes as well. Mm-hmm. And, and truthfully, I, VBS is really the main context where I use youth workers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't typically use them on Sunday mornings um, for that very reason that right. if you need additional supervision, you, you just have to bring in another adult. Right. Like if there's, if you've got a group and your group's too big for two adults to handle, you really need mm-hmm. another adult. Right. Um, and so, so for me, that's my personal preference and choice, but I do use youth workers at VBS and and they are a huge blessing and a huge help. I have actually, you know, we mentioned before I have used youth workers at other times other than vacation Bible school. And the few times that I have been able to make that work well, it has been very successful. And I've really enjoyed having those youth workers involved in the children preschool ministries. Again, usually churches aren't large enough to have enough services so that the youth can still participate in their ministry mm-hmm. and be able to help. So again, that, that right there cut out a lot of opportunities for youth to help. But especially when I had kids that are interested in being teachers someday when they were, you know, 16 or 17 and they wanted to serve yeah. and they wanted to help, it was always a fun experience to sort of mentor those leaders and, and still help them to be able to serve a little bit as they were still participating in the youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Well, and one thing too, um, and this is another um, just sort of my my point of view is that in having ongoing youth helpers on Sunday mornings, um, as you are recruiting your adult volunteers for those spaces, right. there's a difference between recruiting an adult volunteer to teach a class full of kids right. and recruiting an adult volunteer who will teach a class full of kids and mentor a youth volunteer. Right. And so it's a very I think special situation. It is. It, it is. is. And so And so I think um, being intentional in recruiting your adult volunteers into that situation as well, um, because you don't want to like recruit your adult volunteers and just sort of like throw youth in there with them. And you want to make sure that dynamic is going to work for the youth and for the adults in the space as well. And you want to make sure, like I mentioned before, even as we talked about with the paid workers, you want to have policies in place before you begin utilizing youth. You, you know, you have to have specific guidelines um, and you can't pick and choose. You can't say, oh, well, I'm just going to use this one no matter what. But this one, I, you know, can't, you know, you, again, you, you really need to have some policies. You need to sit down and really think through if I'm going to have youth volunteers, when am I going to have them? In what classrooms will I have them? You know, what are the requirements for them? How am I going to screen them? You know, you really do have to have those kinds of things in place to think through that because it's a very serious thing. You're not just looking at liability, which you are. And so you do have to think through that. You know, you have to think through your liability issues with having youth in the classroom. But you also have to look at the spiritual growth of not just the children in your ministry, but also the youth that are 
that are serving in your ministry. And so you want to make sure that you are looking at the good of the entire ministry and not just what you desperately need in the preschool room during this hour. Right, you know, right. you, you have to look at the big picture. You can't just look at the, the desperation moment. So you really want to take that time to think through it strategically. Well, I have enjoyed this conversation today. I know that paid workers, youth workers, it's a difficult topic. It's hard to make those decisions and to kind of figure out how you want to work things and how you want to make things happen. But hopefully this has been a little helpful. Hopefully it's given you some suggestions and some ideas and at least maybe the building blocks you might need to start with to kind of create that foundation of those policies so that you can figure out what's going to be best for your ministry. I will kind of end with this to let you know, every ministry is different. Every group of leaders you have is different. Every group of kids you have, families you have, where your ministry is located, the the culture of your ministry, just everything can be very different. So what might work for me or what might work for Dr. Virginia might not work for your ministry. And so you really have to sit down and kind of look at all the pros and cons in your context, in your location, in your ministry, with your people and decide what is going to be the most beneficial to be able to teach the word of God to our kids, because that's your focus. That's your, your main goal in your ministry is to share the love of Jesus with your children. And so hopefully this has helped you be able to do that. So thank you for talking, Dr. Virginia. It was fun today. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) And we hope to see you all again soon. Mm Bye-bye.